0: Well what's up everybody? We got a great episode for you today. Welcome to All Out War. I am Turner and I'm joined with with, with Rosie in the via internet again because of stupid corona. What's up Rosie? Hey what's up man? <laughs> I thought I was gonna get tongue-tied for a second. I couldn't think of my words. <laughs>
1: you joined with? Well yeah because we're not joined with. Right. It's, <laughs> it's just, Joined. Yeah I don't know that was a weird turn of phrase. I know. But
0: Anyways, we'll leave it in. What the heck? Yeah. You know, it's probably because I've been
1: smoking that sticky, sticky green stuff. Ooh. <laughs> I'm calling the cops on you.
0: Calling the cops? No, everyone knows I don't touch that stuff. That's crazy. That's evil.
1: Yeah. Devil's but lettuce. I did, I did hear you were walking outside without a mask on, so I'm gonna call it. I'm listen. I'm gonna call the cops regardless. <laughs> oh,
0: are you one of those contact tracers? Yes. <laughs> oh, you jerk. Oh man. You know what I I, I would say to you, my good friend. Why are you gay?
1: <laughs> I was born this way. Uh, you were born this way. <laughs> I can't believe
0: uh, I'm hearing contact tracing going on. People are calling the cops on their neighbors and stuff when they see them not mm-hmm. social distancing six feet and all that. And it makes me mad because, like, all you got to do is do a little bit of uh, research on viruses and realize that that mask is useless, the, mm-hmm. the virus goes right through the fibers. It doesn't stop. It doesn't even pass go. It just says, I'm going through. Nothing's mm-hmm. stopping me. And you'll get the Rona. That's how it works. Yeah. And then people are giving you the old googly, weird eye. I had a dude. I had to go to Lowe's the other day. This is great, dude. You're going to laugh. And uh, I didn't. You better. Uh, better laugh. Yeah. I didn't wear a mask at all. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, shocker. Right. So I walk in. And, uh, and I'm looking for whatever I'm looking for at Lowe's. And, uh, this dude comes walking down the aisle. We're in one of those, like between the two big giant, you know, aisles. And he sees me not wearing a mask and he turns his back to me and his face to the shelving. And he's like scaling down the side of the shelving, like literally (laughs) hugging it. (laughs) And he had his mask on and I stopped and I looked at him as he went by and I was like, you gotta be kidding me. And he, he like he like looked at me back like through the corner of his eye and he like turned around and then he like hightailed it out and I'm like, what the it's he acted like I had the virus, like I was the virus or something. He's yeah. Like I don't make eye contact, don't make eye contact. You know, it's just so <laughs> dumb. Oh yeah.
1: man. I mean, yeah, I've never I have not worn a mask yet. I and I still go out and do stuff.
0: I know. I, I and I applaud you for that. I think that's that's really good. I think I'm going to print off a card and it's just going to be like facts about how viruses transmit. And it will be like the mask does nothing. You know, the, <laughs> the gloves only help a little, you know, it's basically don't, you know, wash your hands and don't put your hands in your mouth. That's what that's, yes. that's the basic gist of it. Cause it's got to mm-hmm. have a biological host. So like I saw some sign uh, in, I don't know what state it was. It might've been Illinois where they weren't even letting people stop and smell rose or smell flowers at a like at a park. Mm. <laughs> you, and it said, "Please do not smell the flowers. It will pass
1: coronavirus."
0: <laughs> how are you going to how what? You know?
1: And uh Maybe he gets you get too close, you'll spit on it. like I don't know, that doesn't make sense. I know.
0: And and then here's another here's another crazy one. So I went to Dick's Sporting Goods today with my son. We took mm-hmm. him to Dick's. We went down there, we hung out. Um you wanted to look at some stuff and they were only letting in 10 customers at a time in the store. And, uh, so every time one person left, another person could go in and right across the parking lot from the dicks is a Costco mm-hmm. and it looked like a carnival. It, it, yeah. it was just so many people. And I was thinking to myself, how does this even make sense? Yeah. One, one store is packed with people. They don't care about the social distancing. They don't even require you to have a mask. And then I think Costco is down. I think they let up on it. Oh, really? Yeah. I think they already let up on it because they were getting so much backlash from people like me and you that are like, like normal and not, uh, not living in fear and won't buy into it. Um, But they, uh, but then you got dicks, you got people standing outside and like three people left. And it was like my son and I, and I was like, Hey, three people have gone out. Why can't we go in? And she goes, Oh, I'm waiting for them to leave at the register area. I'm like, well, three people left. They left the store. Who cares if they're at the register or if they just walked out? Yeah, like it's just so. I was, people just they leave their brain at home for this stupid virus. They're just not thinking. Mm-hmm. Anyways, all right, that's my soapbox. Fair uh, enough. Yeah, my wife's like, you need to get around people. You're you're starting to be, <laughs> you're starting to get irritated. <laughs> I'm like, I am irritated. <laughs> oh, dude. So what do you know, man?
1: Oh hey! So, did you know that there was, there has been one war between chimpanzees that has been recorded? <laughs> what? They had an official war. <laughs> it's huh? called the Gombe chimpanzee war. <laughs> the Gombe. G <laughs> O M B E. Okay. All right. Let me read this from Wikipedia: <laughs> The Gombe chimpanzee war was a violent conflict between two communities of chimpanzees in the Gombe Stream National Park in Tanz- Tan- Tanzania. Tanzania. Tanzania, lasting from 1974 to nineteen seventy eight. What <laughs> a four year war! Yeah. The two groups were once unified in the <laughs> Kasakela community. By 1974, re- researcher Jane Goodall noticed the community splintering. Over the span of eight months, a large party of chimpanzees separated themselves into the southern area of Casakela and were renamed the Kahama community. The separatists consisted of six adult males, three adult females, and their young the casichella was left with eight adult males, 12 adult females, and they're young. Hmm. And it like <laughs> if you go down, I don't know if you guys have ever looked at like uh, wars on Wikipedia, like pages for the wars. <laughs> so it breaks it down where it has like the introduction and then it goes like details. And so it says the Gombe <laughs> Chimpanzee War. January. It started January 22nd, 1974 to June 5th, 1978. Location: Gombe Stream National Park, Tanzania. Result: Decisive <laughs> Kasakela victory. <laughs> Do they give the reason for the war? Uh, yeah, there is. There's a whole lot about it. You, yeah. But bananas. Probably. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know what it's, they call that? What it's called guerrilla warfare. Guerrilla <laughs> <laughs> warfare. <laughs> At least, That's yeah. a dad joke. I had to say it.
1: was good. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to keep reading these because these are great belligerents. Uh, Kahama chimpanzees, Casacela chimpanzees, commanders and leaders of the K- Kahama. You had Hugh and Charlie, <laughs> and for the Casacela, you had Figgin. Figgin. Yeah. The casualties and losses for the Kahama, you had ten chimpanzees were killed. Ooh, man, that's a majority. And and for the Casakella, only they only lost
0: one. Wow. So the the Splinter group only lost one. Mm-hmm. Man. And they ended up winning. Mm-hmm. The smaller group, the Splinter group, man, that's awesome.
1: Uh separate. No, no, no. It was the other
0: way around. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's hard to keep track with those crazy African names. Yeah. The Gomba. The Gomba. We should yeah. let that be like inspiration for us. To resist. <laughs> <laughs> the, the corona. Yeah.
1: Never, for, fight. never forget the. Never forget the Gombe guerrilla war.
0: You know how we have like "Don't tread on me" flags and stuff. Yeah. I wonder if they ever had one like "Don't slip on me." It's like a banana peel.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wait. It ended on. Wait. I'm sorry. Uh, Wait, so it ended – I just want to say this. It ended uh, – when did D-Day? Because it started <laughs> on uh,
0: uh, May. May. Uh, – D-Day was like May – No, it was June. Oh, June 6th, right?
1: Yeah. Okay, Ju- yeah, June 6th, because this one ended June 5th. Yeah, so June 6th. So I was going to say that would have been, yeah, been funny if they ended. Anyways, I think we're rambling too much. Yeah, all right. So, we got a
0: really great episode. We have a special guest. Obviously, his name is Jim Duke. We're going to introduce him uh, on the other side of this. But uh, so, here's what we'll say sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy. You're listening to the All Out War podcast. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of All Out War. I am Turner and I'm with Rosie. Rosie, what's up, man? hey what's up man and we have a very special guest uh with us on the podcast today i am so excited it's someone that i have been listening to for probably about a year now uh just on podcasts and it's he's one of those guys where i listen to him and it's like my my favorite little secret i don't even you know (laughs) uh i like to listen to him because not only does it inform me but it it uh it encourages me and it educates me and um and our guest's name is Jim Duke. And you can find him at Twitter at Duke Perspective. You can also find him at, on the internet at jimdukeperspective.com. And you can find him like I did through Apple iTunes uh, with Jim Duke Perspective Podcast. So he's on Spotify, he's on Apple, he's on all the, all the podcast servers. But I just want to welcome to our podcast, Jim Duke. Jim, how are you, my brother?
2: Hey guys, gr- glad to be with you. And I really appreciate this. This is a treat for me to be on this side of the mic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so I found your podcast by a suggestion through Apple, which that to me is miraculous because we know <laughs> that anybody that's speaking truth in the podcast realm, the truth or realm by on YouTube or Apple, whatever, they're going to get like hidden and, and suppressed. And, uh, no doubt you've experienced some of that. But so when it came up, I was like, Oh wow. I'm just going to check this guy out and see what he has to say. And within the first episode, I was like, man, this guy knows what he's talking about. He has his finger on the pulse. And, uh, ever since then, I've just been kind of a Jim Duke junkie. I don't know if that's okay (laughs) with
2: you. (laughs) Well, I don't, you know, I don't like to be, uh, uh, followed in that, in, in a way that people are going to be blindly, uh, um, trusting everything, test everything that I come up with because uh, I could be yeah. off to uncertain things. I'm more surprised and shocked that, you, that iTunes, uh, I, iTunes or A- Apple Podcasts referred you. <laughs> uh, I'm surprised that that happens. I know, right? They're so, uh, y- y- well, they're going to
0: connect with what we're going to talk about today. And um, so what I wanted to do is, because I just want to jump into this thing, um, what I wanted to do was, uh, for our audience' sake, is. One of the things that, that you do so well that I appreciate is you make you connect dots very well. And what I mean by that is that one of the things that many times happens in current events is in the Christian faith a lot of times and within the Christian realm, we can misinterpret uh, either in by overreacting to something that's happening in our current events or blindly just ig- ignoring it or missing it in ignorance altogether. And there's no doubt in my mind that this current event that we're facing right now, you know, regarding the COVID-19, the whole, this whole coronavirus and the way that it's affecting the world at large is that this is something that is really being, uh, has God's hands all over it. And I just wanted to have a discussion just kind of candidly about some of the things that you might see and some of the ways that this, this pandemic can be used to further the prophetic end times, which we all know about. And we've, we've heard about in particular how it connects to the establishment and the, and really the, the rooting down of in a deeper way, the one world government, this Luciferian system. And that's something that, um, and for our listeners, I would encourage you to go back and check out some of the past, probably three or four episodes of Jim's podcast, because he's unpacking that with some guests and uh, in some really cool ways. So that's kind of why I wanted what I wanted to talk about with you uh, tonight.
2: Well, uh, the, the way that these things are going today, uh, totally, totally like steamrolling towards the the, uh, the, the a climax. And I'm going to say a climax because we never know which age or which time it is because in the early church, they also thought that they were in that climax. And if you looked at revelation back then, the churches and the, the, the saints back then would think that they were on a uh, steamroller ahead towards the end times, especially with Nero on the scene and mm-hmm. others on the scene. And they could definitely identify someone that fit the mold for the antichrist in this, in the system. So as the ages went and then the, the Protestants were met by, by, uh, by resistance against the, the, the Jesuit priests and the Jesuits who were militant actually, and uh, uh, led inquisitions and, and led persecution against the church. I'm sure that they thought they were in the end times too. Hmm. So this end times that we say we are in tends to cycle. And I've been seeing recently more of not like the whole event from beginning to end is, is, is progressing. But I'm seeing a cycling of almost the same narrative that -hmm. just keeps going. And eventually that narrative is going to close down on one that is the Antichrist who is the final Antichrist. And that's going to come only really when God releases his hand and allows them to progress. Mm -hmm. So even the elite are under the control of God. Although God allows in his sovereign, you know, righteousness, them to carry out their plans as they push and they desire, but he can hasten, they can hasten his hand as well, though he has control over it. So I tell people, you know, they say, well, don't worry, God's in control. God has everything under control and God is in control but he doesn't control everything in that he allows a permissive will for them to carry out. And that's why you see satanic ritual abuse. That's why you see the wicked gaining. I mean, you know, people will say God's in control. Yeah. He was in control when Hitler was reigning. Mm-hmm. He was in control when Nero was reigning back then, Antiochus Epiphanes. I mean, you could take yeah. any of these characters that are antichrist and uh, that are uh, uh, violent people, and say, well, yeah, God's in control. But then you have to look at it and say, but he allowed them to kill. He allowed them to persecute, to oppress. And here's the thing. In in, in God's economy of things, he doesn't see it like I'm going to protect everybody just automatically. Because first of all, if he did, he'd have to ultimately protect us from the ultimate perishing, which is death. The, uh, but then his righteousness wouldn't be carried out because he would have to allow wickedness and sinfulness because there'd be no penalty. Mm-hmm. There'd be no judgment. So he has a way of allowing the permissiveness of our will, but also having a judgment for the end. And for those that are persecuted and those that are persecuted, persecuting, the end is, is are do you have a redemption for your sins? You You violated God. And I don't care whether you're the lowly homeless person on the corner, or whether you're the top dignitary of your nation, you're not going to get any place if you don't have redemption for your sin. And God offered his son, Jesus Christ, for that. So I tell people that you can know the truth, but if you don't have a redeemer, mm-hmm. you're going to perish likewise with the Luciferians.
0: Wow. <laughs> That's a hard truth, and it's you're absolutely right. I think of uh, the Apostle Paul in his, you know, Damascus Road experience, right? Here's a guy who's hunting down Christians, you know? Uh, I mean, he was feared. Uh, he, had a, he had a reputation, and, uh, but yet God intervened in his life, and then he submitted to the call, and the call was to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. So his whole life was redeemed through that encounter with the living God. And I always have encouraged that every human has that opportunity. Like, it's extended to them, the grace of God is available to anyone who's willing. Uh, but what you have is you have people that are, that are so steeped in their sins and so hardened in their hearts that they refuse to accept the free gift. And oftentimes, and this is where I get like, um, where it puzzles me, is oftentimes they're a useful tool in the hand of the enemy without them even realizing it just because of their condition of where they are their position with God and the way that they're living their life. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. You asked me a question and I kind of didn't answer it, but, uh, (laughs) get into it. So (laughs) let me, um, let me start with this. I love this, this verse in the, in the Bible because this kind of, to me, I set a premise and, uh, people don't realize that even though I talk about the issues, I talk about the new world order. I talk about the Luciferians. I, I kind of shine a light on, on them, uh, where they are and, and bring out the truth of that. Everything I get is actually in the, in, in the scriptures, but this is the main hardcore verse right here, I believe, is, is 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4. and it says, it's starting in verse 3, it says, if our gospel be hid, it's hid from them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorif- glorious gospel of Christ who is in the image of God should shine upon them. So that right there is the core. There's a God of this world, obviously, and it's not the God of heaven because the God of this world is one that's fleshly, worldly, and grounded on this plane mm-hmm. because he's been basically cast out of heaven. Mm-hmm. And it, we, know, we identify him as the uh, opposite or opposing the, the, um, the one that is against God, which uh, is the adversary. And that is where the name Satan comes from, Hasatan mm-hmm. in Hebrew. He's the adversary against God who hides the, the gospel and blinds the eyes of those. So he's here to blind us from the gospel. So in that, what he's done to help blind the eyes from them of the gospel is he has set up a system. His system that has been set up has been shown through the new world order but it's a Babylonian system and I believe this is mystery Babylon if you want to break it down going back to the actual Babylon city which is the city that Nimrod erected and then that was a a city that was promoted or um, influenced by the, the very essence of the beginning which is in the garden when this serpent came to Eve and through, uh, through Eve tempted mankind and what he offered her was the ability to know good and evil and to be like gods and to have immortality offering her, she will never die. These things right there are the basis for all false religions, all false philosophies, and all false directions to make yourself God so you don't need the God of heaven. So all these things that we even see today are rooted right back into the garden. Gnosis, Gnosticism, which is the knowledge of good and evil, knowing it without God, the the abuse and corruption of the of the sciences and such, philosophies and, and abuse of, of manipulation of nature, which is actually witchcraft, and then magic, which is uh, the uh, altering one's consciousness. And that could be done through the will of yourself, or it could be done by doing a subliminal invitation to someone when they don't know it. And this is where you get the, the, the unwitting call co- collaboration with, with the, uh, the Luciferians not realizing it. In other words, they do a ritual right before you and you're, you're accepting it without resistance. They, they conclude well, that as your part of it.
0: Okay. So let's, I want to pause you right there because that's a huge thing, what you just said. Um, What's an example, like a real-world example of something like that? Because I have one in mind, but I'm curious what what you would say.
2: Off the the cuff, um, well, we have a lot of predictive programming. We know that where they seem to condition the mind by subjecting it to the ideas first before they actually – do the rituals. And then they have things that are in, in the, in the face, right in your face. And they do it right in front of us, sometimes hidden in plain sight, but then obviously it's fulfilled where, you know, like, like say war, I mean, war is basically tyrannical and we think we need it, but they apply it to like human sacrifice to rituals Mm -hmm. and, and, they get our permissive will by being basically soldiers in in their in their war, and uh, and then the the minds of people that want to uh, to think that war is necessary. And you know what? War is in the Bible. It, it, there is there is force that needs to be to push against resistance. But when they do it, sometimes for no cause. You wonder what the cause is. What, what, what's your example? I'd rather I'd rather hear your example. Than like, <laughs> mine was
0: i was just thinking about um the way like a super bowl halftime show like that oh, okay. was okay so okay so you see yeah. like a dance and you see um there's certain there's certain um aspects of the dance certain aspects of the music and and even like the way that they choreograph that that um are suggesting certain things and then then how you see how they decorate the stages the thing all of these Straight-up
1: symbols and stuff.
0: Right, yeah. Because um, yeah. I know the one the, the most recent halftime show got a lot of heat be- because they had kids in cages and they had um, Shakira and J-Lo and it was like a passing of the torch. It was like one was old, one was young, and it was all of this sexual suggestion. Um, there was like a pyramid and a crystal staircase and pillars and all these Illuminati uh, or m- Masonic, I should say... Um, you know, uh, symbols right there on
2: the stage. And, um, okay. Yeah. That's a good example. That's a perfect example because the, the, they, um, they, people don't realize that the entertainment industry, every sector of society has been infiltrated. Mm-hmm. We know that because a lot of it's been developed by the elite, but it's been infiltrated where even your entertainment Hollywood itself, the music industry is all tainted with Luciferian control. And when I say Luciferian control, you know, that's a general term. Luciferians can be outward worshippers of Lucifer, or they can be just Luciferians where it's an allegorical term, meaning that you just want to be enlightened. But either way, it comes from the same source. So it doesn't matter. But the industry is tainted with behind the scenes occultists. Like I know I know for instance the OTO, which is the uh uh Orientis Templi or uh Order Templi Orientis, which is Alistair Crowley's organization, mm-hmm. they're Alistair Crowley followers. And they uh do they do a lot of control of the, the stars and the, the entertainers and they subject them to rituals because in order to initiate to another level, you have to go through something. You have to be sacrificed or sacrifice something and you have to submit to something and in their ritual in order to prove your loyalty that you are going to be pliable they want you to give up something and they want you to initiate into something so they do these rituals and when you get to that next level they, off, they give you all sorts of offerings and initiate you to an, another degree or whatever. And, you know, we're not talking Masonic degrees necessarily, although Masonic degrees are part of it. And also uh, other, other cultic backgrounds, you know, they call it the Illuminati, but they're not really the Illuminati. They're just that's just a name that, uh, you know, has been surrendered to be useful for a general term of, of being an elite uh, hmm. in, in a level that is just a personification, basically, or a, a perception, let's say. And uh, when these rituals, when these people are initiated into these rituals and they are able to to be drafted to get to higher levels of public rituals, like going in the in the in the public entertainment in front of everybody, like at a halftime uh, show, they're now sort of uh, priestesses. In that level where now they're conducting the ritual and the ritual is sometimes designed by a designer who is basically in, in the occult and they participate in the ritual and their object is to get people to witness this ritual, unknowing that it's a real ritual. Even though there's not a human sacrifice, a lot of times the human sacrifice is implied and perceived mm-hmm. in the in, in the imagery that they use. And, you know, remember K- Katy Perry years ago in the Grammys doing that dark horse thing, e- even even CNN on all of them questioned that this was a real dark ritual. She mm-hmm. was on a she was on an altar. Uh, there was flames around her broomsticks. I mean, it was a, a, a witch, wick witch Wiccan coven. I mean, it was a definitely rituals and Madonna with her, her, uh, her rituals and the bulls and Molech. Uh, I think that was a, a imagery of Molech. These are pagan rituals that are actually coming out in the open, but they're in the form of entertainment. So they're innocent, but they don't think it's innocent. They think you're participating mm-hmm. and they apply it to their energy. How much do you think that, like, when it comes to the
0: entertainment industry, how much do you think that those that are partaking in these, you know, like these, like, for instance, like um, the Katy Perry at the Grammys, like, who put that show together? Was that her idea? Was that some handler? Was, and did she just have to go along with it? Do you think that she's under some kind of spell where she doesn't realize that she's partaking it? Because I know her background, she was raised in a Christian home. Her parents are, you know, apparently uh minister and ministry and have been um what do you think their involvement awareness is
2: yes all of the above okay <laughs> so let's let's break it down sure when they get into the industry and they're dangled the carrot in front of them and uh and then they say you know they they offer them the faustian bargain you familiar with the faustian bargain where the yep. the uh you know the offer that you can sell your soul and gain this talent Mm -hmm. it's it's said to be sort of figurative but it's actually literal Mm -hmm. they actually sign a a a a spiritual agreement to give their soul up for the industry which is synonymous with giving their soul up to satan Mm -hmm. because the industry is controlled by the elite and luciferians and occultists so when they get to that level they subject themselves to being, uh, under psychological control. So they're assigned a handler and some of them are put into rituals. They're put into trauma-based mind control. Hmm. And, you know, we hear the stories of Roseanne talking about MKUltra is is very popular. The MKUltra program that, you know, was abandoned in 1973, which we know it wasn't, it's, it's now morphed <laughs> into, into monarch programming and there's other programs off of that. And uh, there's a whole uh, book uh, on uh, books on, on what to look for in those programmings and mm-hmm. part of Kate, Katie Perry's uh, um, showings for, for some of the things that she was involved in, especially the, uh, the Super Bowl that she was in, are, I mean, you had color programming, you had uh, diamond programming. There was a lot of programming and it actually stimulates those that are triggered outside it. So those that have been subliminally programmed in in the audience are triggered by these responses too. And they go into a, a mode of being, being uh, sort of uh, sedated. Mm. And when Katy Perry had her breakdown in recent years, she started crying on air saying, I want to be Katie Hudson again. I mm-hmm. don't want to be Katy Perry. They make you a character that they mold, mm-hmm. a, a creature, just like, just like Beyonce became Sasha Fierce. At first, she was controlled by Sasha Fierce, and then she eventually said, Beyonce's dead. I am Sasha, Sasha Fierce. They become these entities, these spirits that take, overtake them. So it's spiritual as well as it is programmed. Hmm. And people that have told me that they've been under mind control programming say that they are under trauma abuse, sexual and physical, where they're, they're, they're done uh, certain things to them. They actually are taken to a handler that is part of a demonic ritual. And they've told me they've gone into rooms, people dressed in robes doing, doing these rituals over them. So it's, it's, it's not just physical abuse. It's also spiritual abuse. So Katy Perry and all the others that are involved in these, they've submitted themselves to be subject to it. So do they know? Yes, they do know. Are they somewhat controlled? Yes, they're also controlled. And if they snap out of it, they're put back into, quote, rehab, rehabilitation, which is basically reprogramming. Oh, wow. And yeah. so the rituals are not really so much them. They allow their per- persona to come out. What they You'll notice a lot of things they write in their songs are releases. They're things that kind of hint to their programming and mm. to their world that they're spiritually subjected to because they allow them to express themselves through that. But some of the themes are written and controlled by the handlers and, and, and the managers. And, and they're surrounded by people that remind them who they really are and who they're surrendered to. So when you take a show like, uh, like the, the halftime or the uh, Grammys with Katy Perry and dark horse, the, uh, one of the co-writers of that song was this Dr. Luke mm-hmm. and you may have heard of him cause uh, there's people suing him for sexual abuse. Yeah, These guys are handlers. He writes the song to give the imagery and then they have designers and in choreographs and things like that to kind of correlate with the imagery. And it, it basically emphasizes that whole theme in the minds of the public. So the public becomes sedated and, and in a mass mind control sort of thing, get involved in the ritual. And, and just like, uh, uh David Crosby once said, uh, uh, you know, having, having a public image like this in front of many people, we can do witchcraft in front of a lot of people at once. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, these guys don't hold back on what they say. You just have to look for where they say it.
0: It's, it's kind of, Oh, sorry, Rosie. Go ahead, bud.
1: Oh, I was going to say since, uh, before you guys get too, uh, away from this, I just wanted to pop in and, uh, I was gonna one of the biggest things that uh was really interesting that came out it was published um I'm sure you remember this Jim but the uh the pussycat dolls kaya Jones where she came out and said so just for listeners like give you a real world example again you know this is all true, but kaya Jones from the the girl like pop group no boy band girl group band said that um the group was basically a prostitution ring that sang at like this high level thing. And they, um, so like, this is, this is real. I just want to like, yeah, do this thing. But when you have like the pussycat dolls were a big group and, uh, like they came out and said, oh yeah, they drugged us. They, you know, passed us around with sex. We were basically prostitutes that sang, and we didn't make a lot of money. And, uh, yeah, so I just <laughs> wanted to bring up that example because that immediately popped to my head about this, uh, you know, the stuff we were talking about.
0: Yeah, um, she's actually, she's actually come out as a believer, as a Christian. So I've, when she walked away from all of that, you know, she's a, uh, she's confessed Christ as her Lord and Savior and all. So, so that's, that's awesome. a that's a pretty trustworthy testimony from someone who's yeah. come from darkness into light. Um, I was going to add too. Um, Years and years and years and years ago, I was in a band and we we were uh, being courted by uh, DreamWorks, one of the record labels at that time. And uh, they suggested to our lead singer, whom our band was named after, it was during the time when like Dave Matthews' band was real big and so people were naming their bands like after uh, the guy who started the band or whatever. And we were one of those situations. And uh, they suggested to him our lead singer, that he would have an on stage persona that would be much freer, much more um fun and crazy than his his offstage persona, which would be however he wanted to live, you know, quiet, peaceful or whatever. And uh they just kept encouraging that that our stage presence would be a different personality, uh, than who we really are. And um I I wonder if that wasn't some sort of grooming Technique that they were encouraging us into so that they could then utilize it further on if we would have gone. We didn't take the record deal because it was a horrible record deal it would have put us, put us in like half a million dollars of debt and all this other stuff. So we were like, I was like, no way, I'm not in on it. And I backed out of it altogether. Um, but uh, that's that was kind of a real world situation. Looking back on it now, I wonder if that wasn't some technique
2: that they were trying to use. You guys familiar with the, the band, uh, head East at all. No, uh, it, it it was a band, uh, uh, in the, in the seventies, they did a song, uh, since you've been gone, which, uh, um, rainbow covered and other, other songs like that. And, uh, one of the singers, his name was John Schlitz, John Schlitz. You might've recognized the name. I'll go into that in a second, but John Schlitz was a singer of that band. And they said, you know, you're not really rough enough or you don't have the image that we're looking for. So in order for you guys to really get someplace, we got to rough you up a little bit. Mm. So they coaxed him into drugs and things, cocaine and things like that, because they want you to have a bad boy image. But they, it's not even for the image, it's for your roughness. So, you know, rough you up, get you controlled. And eventually he came out, he came to Christ and came out of it and he, he, he was the singer of Petra. That's where his name comes from. Oh, yeah. From so uh, <laughs> petra. Uh, yeah, they, yeah so they have a, a way to handle you and make you something into a character so there's always something you sacrifice uh, I know another guy uh, I'm friends with on Facebook and uh, he was in the hip-hop era, era and uh, he was approached he was trying to get in with like um, uh, Jay-z and, and things and uh, he was approached finally to maybe feature on something and you know, he thought he was going to go someplace, and he says, "Oh, I can't wait to tell my wife." And they said, "Your wife? She's not part of the deal." <laughs> he says, "Well, you know, I'm, I'm married." And they said, "No, no, no. This is not you and your wife. This is you. We want you, not your wife. So you have to make a choice here." Whoa. Basically, he—that was the first proof of loyalty that he would have to surrender his wife. Wow. And uh, and he didn't take it. So he struggled. He struggled and he's trying to get back into it now, unfortunately, but he says he's got a better vision of it now because he won't give up the things that he needs to give up. Yeah. And he knows all this background. That's why I'm kind of concerned for him. I've warned him, but, um, you know, it's gotta be in God's hands on when, after you warn people, but, uh, you know, this is the kind of things that go on in the background where you have to surrender. Is it worth fame? Well, at the beginning, it seems to be because you're promised all this stuff, but then you realize is you're a, oh, a, a clay in their hands and and they mold you into something that you were never meant to or never wanted to be. But there is hope because people have come out of it. Like you mentioned, and came to Christ and and really I haven't seen many people that have successfully came out of it without turning to Christ. There have been some like, uh, uh that young uh, actress. I can't think of her name now. Amanda Bynes, I think. It, yeah. Amanda Bynes. Yeah. She broke, she just, kind of just left the whole industry. She didn't want the abuse anymore. And you'll see people like that that just kind of, they're not right anymore. You know, they just can't get it right after that. But if they come to Christ, they tend to have a little better handle on it. Hmm.
0: Yeah, they can be healed up and really set
2: free. Um,
0: I um, So the entertainment industry, you know, obviously you said, okay, so this is all part of the beast system. This is all part of that 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 system that's in place it's been in place since you know since the beginning you know really since we saw it crystallize in a really powerful way in Genesis 6 and then it it continues through you know that Babylonian system that you were talking about. So the entertainment industry is ruled or has it has deep talents in the entertainment industry and it's such a powerful influence because people, want to be entertained. You know, we want to watch movies, we want to listen to music, we want to, you know, and in, in some ways they've created this addictive nature to it too, you know. We like some people it's like a habit. They just sit down, and they get off work, they come home, they turn on the TV and that's what they do for the whole night until they fall asleep, you know. Um now it's moved into kind of surfing social media um for so many people. But moving away from the beast system of entertainment in that aspect yeah you did ask me a question didn't you (laughs) that's all right man this has been i'm thoroughly enjoying this conversation this is yeah this is good stuff um but uh how do we connect the current events like what we're seeing with this covid let's move into that a little bit because i want to i want to shine some light on that also because we're living in that right now currently this is like everybody's reality you know they have to wear masks they have there's a potential vaccine there's you know, all of these, this fear that's being pushed upon us um, and, and what's, what's the possibilities and is there, what, the, well, what's the possibilities? Let's just start there.
2: I can't get away from this. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I thought I was going to do a couple shows uh, on, on COVID and then uh, to be a, like, we're in a series. I'm still doing it today. I'm going to be doing a <laughs> show about it today. I think this might be the last one before I move on to something else. I don't know, but cause this is in our face. Yeah. Let's, let's take everything we talked about the entertainment and just move it forward here. Entertainment is used. It's, it's a good vehicle to sedate our minds, to condition our minds for something coming that they want to announce. And what fiction is, is fiction is a way for them to announce what they're doing without us realizing it, but be subliminally conditioned to it so that when it comes, yeah, we're still shocked, but we're less likely to resist mm. because it's been predictively programmed in our minds. So, if you take the current things that we have, and, and I and I did a, a show on this, and I and I found operations that they have practiced and and planned a pandemic that go back to you know at least 2012, but mm. you know you can go further beyond that even. Uh, we have uh, exercises like event 201 last mm-hmm. year in October, planning for a pandemic of a global virus in case one, you know, affected the world. Let's just mm-hmm. plan for it in case, you know, Let but let's do it months before it actually carries out so that, you know, <laughs> um, you know, it, we didn't know it was going to actually carry it out two months later. But, you know, yes, we did because the controllers know everything is going on ahead of time. So and, and then before that, there was a uh, the Contagion. What I forget what it's it's called. I have probably had it written here someplace. Was um, it the a, movie? No, there's a there's a no, not the movie Contagion. There's an exercise called called something Contagion. Oh yeah. And then, bef- and then before that, Clade X. These are all exercises you can look up. Planning a pandemic, and then you have the lockstep with the Rockefellers planning, uh, uh, and, and along with these plannings are vaccines so they already had planned a vaccine, you know, yes, they're, they're, they say that they have to still develop a vaccine, but you can be sure they've already been developing it. But they're not developing developing necessarily a vaccine for our aid in order to make us healthy. They're developing a vehicle that we would accept was, in order to further implement their plan. Was the contagion was it called crimson contagion yes that's it that's it okay yeah thanks thanks <laughs> uh, can, so when I don't write these things down you can tell that I don't really have them all the time I'm on the edge of my lip no so. no that's fine <laughs> um so so these things are, are these things lead up to things and, and um I had done podcast years I, I'm actually surprised that they're coming about how I, I suspected some things. And there's a lot of times I connect dots and I just make some suspicions and I make it clear that I'm not a prophecy. I, I'm not a prophetic, you know, I'm not a, a, a prophet. And that's what I'm trying to say. I'm not a prophet. I'm not predicting what God told me that's going to happen. I'm more of a speculator. So when I tell these things, I just speculate the potential of what could have come from it and what could happen. And I remember in the 90s, everybody was looking at the RFID chip Mm -hmm. and they swore that that was going to be the mark of the beast because we had Vera chip and other industries developing the technology for the RFID chip and they were put in the TVs and, and then they said, Oh, they're going to be put in the cards and then they're going to transfer to people. And I say, yes, but when I started seeing what they were doing with DNA and vaccines, I started thinking that they, they have things right now that make the RFID archaic. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's past development, it's past technology. So they, and I have a, a connector. I, I have a connection to someone that was doing technology for the NSA, you know, before they existed,
1: <laughs>
2: you know, because, uh, because they only, we only knew about it in the 1990s. Well, he was in it in the 1980s. And he said the things that they've done, they don't even have science fiction for. Wow. And when I find out things, he doesn't tell me everything. He's reserved about it. First of all, he doesn't want to talk about it. Second of all, he's got a gag order that he's really not supposed to. But if I tell him, oh, I've read this, I read that. Is this true? He'll say, yeah, yep. And uh, he'll give me some things. But he says it's to protect protect me. He doesn't want me to, to know more than what. I'm supposed to know, you know, <laughs> but, maybe you know from the government. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have NSA members We're told that are monitoring our activity. So we have to be a little careful, but, uh, I go any place. I don't have any boundaries, you know? So <laughs> yeah. wherever, I, whatever I know, I'll go. But the the thing is, is that I knew that they were working, they were working on things with electromagnetics. They were looking at with things with the web Wi-Fi, that they could, Kind of tap out of the air. They don't need cables anymore, you know. They just can tap out of the air through digital uh, mm. technology. The signals. I mean, think about it. We used to have phonographs, and then now we have digital that kind of somehow read our our our, our words and can translate it to digital. I, I don't know how it works. We have Wi-Fi that can translate these things, and they can just pull it re- really right out of the air, and. I suspected that this thing has something to do with future technology of controlling our ability to buy or sell, mm. which is in the Bible, Revelation mm. 13. So we know it's to do with commerce, right? It's buy or sell. It has to do with commerce that no one would be able to buy or sell without the mark of the beast. Well, what is this mark? You know, you have a, a lot of scenarios. Could it be spiritual? Um, labor, the work of our labor, the, 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 the mind, our, our mind submitting to it. Yeah, maybe. Could it be a literal mark? Could it be a tattoo? Could it be a, a chip? Yeah. And then you, you have Seventh-day Venice saying it's worship on Sunday. Well, you know, to me that doesn't fit exactly, even though Walter Weith and others have a really compelling argument of how they come about, but I don't agree because the law is not really what we're after here. Um, you know, Jesus has fulfilled the law, everything's through him. And, uh, you know, whether you rest on the Sabbath or not is, is, is in him either way, because right. he's the Lord of the Sabbath. That's so right. I'm not going to go there with that. So here's what I've started seeing. I started seeing technology with DNA, more of gene editing, genome editing. And I came across this Andrew Heis, Heisel, I think his name was, uh, for Autodesk. And he was talking about this synthetic third strand. Hmm. And I started thinking about this third strand. If they can somehow impose a third strand, wouldn't that kind of make control over our DNA? Wouldn't that kind of mark us and get us compliant, if not spiritually, at least physically even with this system and and almost make it like it it has to be activated in Hmm. this system. So I, I toyed around with that. And I started seeing more of this coming about. And the more I see where we're going with vaccines, and now we have this luciferous enzyme. Have you come across that? <laughs> no. Luciferous. It, it's, it's, a, it's an enzyme that is a diode of its own. It doesn't need to be illuminated. It's its own illumination that can be injected in what's called a quantum dot micro, uh, dot, a micro needle that injects it into the, the cells and it can illuminate the DNA and activate the DNA. Geez, wow. how does that come about? Well, when we see things like Bill Gates working on vaccines and then Microsoft putting a patent, not in the U S patent office. Cause I couldn't find it. Somebody told me about it. It's in the WIPO patent office, the world international Whoa. patent office. Oh wow. And, and this is called the body. Uh, it's something to do with cryptocurrency body mm-hmm. activation. It's it the the name the the yeah. uh, the number of this is WO twenty twenty zero six zero six zero six. I mean, if you don't want to get obvious, I don't know what you know. Th- what this does is this injects wow. a, a an activation of your DNA to monitor it, to certify your body for conditions, to be compliant, to be able to buy or sell. I mean, if that ain't something, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, excuse my English. uh, That's not proper English. (laughs) Um, but this, this is, uh, so I started looking into uh, Luciferase and what I found is that it is actually an enzyme that transforms the DNA into a third strand, synthetic strand. Oh, gee, I was onto something back then, like six years ago, wasn't I? Hmm. Yeah. So these things are starting to mutate and converge into one goal, one climax. And if if not at this time, it's going to happen in another time where they'll even have better, closer tr- technology to the interpretation of the fulfillment of the revel- of revelation in the end times. But this is very close and closer than it was 10 years ago. Every technology brings us closer to their abilities, and it becomes clearer and clearer to us that they are progressing in their advancement towards their, their new world order, because it's not going to be God's new world order. It's going to be <clears> their new world order. God will allow it for a short time. It says for a short time, the saints will be put into his hand. It says in Revelation 17 that he puts it in the hearts of the nations to come under the beast. Hmm. He, God, God allows it for his purpose. Why? Well, he must want to close the chapter. But God has marked who's going to follow him or not. And, you know, you say, well, God's going to allow people to, to, to perish. No, God doesn't want people to perish. He wants you to be saved, but people want to perish if they don't accept the remedy. And, you know, there will be some that will be judged because of it. And this is God's way that he's going to judge in the end. He's going to make it a pronouncement that you cannot deny who you follow. Do you want to follow the serpent? Do you want to follow the beast? Or do you want to follow God? And I think it's not going to be tricked. I don't think it's going to be like, Oh, I accidentally took the vaccine. (laughs) I think it's going to be something that's clear. You have to make a voluntary, clear willingness to want to submit to the beast. Mm -hmm.
0: And so you think that, so in your opinion, obviously I'm going to ask from that, that way, (laughs) I, I know you're not a prophet, so I'm not asking for some prophetic utterance. Uh, but in your opinion, do you think that these are the steps that we're seeing right now with conditioning people to welcome and even long for a vaccine so that they can function normally is just a step towards getting into that role where they can, we can, they can finally introduce some kind of biometric biological vaccine that will uh, affect our DNA. And is that, so with the DNA is it's, so it so corrupts you that it, that it would, what remove your ability for redemption. Once you take it, like this is where I start to get like question, I question like, how does that work? How How is it going to work?
2: It's, um, it's scientific and I'm a layman. So I'll try to describe it as I see it in a layman turn. And sometimes that's better because I won't give you a lot of scientific jargon but there is a there is a uh, an experiment experimental gel that's being produced by this company profusa for darpa under darpa wow. and it, it's called a hydro gel and the only thing i can think of is I, I know you guys are marvel fans or not uh but if you see marvel comics and you remember the 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 Spider-Man series where they had the symbiote, mm. Black Spider-Man, where the symbiote was kind of this Roman black goo, which actually mm. relates to CERN and the antimatter and all that, which I'm not going to get into at this moment unless you want to. <laughs> yeah, uh, man, let's do and, it. <laughs> uh, and uh, the 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 black goo kind of uh, adhered to the molecular structure of the person it, it it used as a host, and it affected their DNA and. Spider-Man became the symbiote Spider-Man, the black Spider-Man. I think this hydrogel works kind of similar. It's going to be injected from what we hear and it's going to activate or it's going to send my, uh, what is it called? Microsensors to our DNA. How's it going to identify the DNA? Probably through the luciferase illumination enzymes and it's going to connect the DNA and, monitor it for activation. Wow. And I, I believe, uh, in, you know, the way I see it, cause it could change. We could have 10 years of technology that goes into something that's more mysterious than it is now. Hmm. But as I see it now, what I know about the technology now, and we're always 50 years behind. So what we know now is probably been developed 50 years ago or 30 years ago. Wow! The, the hydrogel seems to be a connector, almost like a, almost like a, electrodes of uh, you know, wires connecting our DNA Yeah. so that, so that all our DNA could be registered, certified and compliant with the system. And maybe it needs a download. Maybe it needs our bodies to be downloaded to something that can withstand it. I've heard some say that this flu may be our bodies rejecting the download. Some mm-hmm. will sustain it and get through it and some won't. And, it seems that it needs to be activated. Wow. Therefore, what would it do to be activated? You have to be willing to comply or else you'll be rejected and will not be able to be activated. So even if it's in us somehow, if, if, if we're tricked or if it, it's mandated that we have to do it and you know we get subjected to it, will it be our volunteer submission to the beast at that point? I don't know. I think it would have to be activated. So I think the willingness is when, even if it's in us, we have to tell them or sign something or comply in some way to have it activated. Does that answer that?
0: Yeah, that that makes sense. Because I know that just based on scripture, we know that it's an act of the will. You willingly submit your need to Christ before or you reject him. And so when it comes to the the antichrist and the mark it's going to be i willingly accept it or i reject it and those that reject it face immense persecution we know from the scriptures from what revelation tells us so um, that makes really good sense to
2: me in that way Um, but those that are believers will know that they're not supposed to accept it i mean it's you know truthers right now we're so cynical, you know. We, we won't ex- we won't accept going to the doctors and getting a a, a COVID test. Right. I mean, I don't even want to do that, knowing that they've been contaminated. I, I right. I'm, I'm going to resist that. But you know, am I going to go to death because I won't I won't accept the COVID? You know, because uh, it might be the mark of the beast. I, I you know, I'm not going to say I, I'm going to reject it for my own reasons. But when this thing comes about, it's it's not going to be like a matter of of you're going to be tricked or mandated into it. It's going to be something that we're going to, we're going to, those that know what it is, if they're saved, they have the seal of God. They have the mark of God. Right. And they're, they're going to automatically know that they're not going to take it. And they, they're not going to be tricked or fallen to go backwards and say, okay, I reject the seal of God in me. I'm going to accept this now. Right. So I think it's going to be, I think it's not like, don't accept this or you'll receive his mark. I think it's more like if if you don't have the mark of God, the seal of God on you, you're going to be subjected to it and just basic, basically submit to it and take the mark that's given yeah. from it. Yeah.
0: Well, all through scripture in the Old Testament, um, whenever God's people are compelled to submit to, like I think of Daniel, I think of Esther – um, I think of these Old Testament characters whenever they're compelled to have to be forced to to go into or worship something that isn't that God's clearly told them not to do, whether it's idolatry or whatever. There, it's pretty apparent. There's no confusion with what, with what's happening. You know what I mean? And because Scripture seems to be systematic that way and showing it in with His people. I can't doubt that the future would be much different. I think that God would operate with His children the same way that He has all through the Bible, so it would probably be pretty clear.
1: You know, if I could just jump in, I, I, my brain just went here when we were talking about like the DNA and uh, you know this new possible technology, um, Jim. I'm not sure if you t- where you stand on like the Genesis six stuff and with the Nephilim and all that, but I guess like one of the easiest ways, and I, I promise this will kind of make sense, but, um, you know, I was thinking where you started off by saying that they've been doing the same trick of, uh, the devil since, you know, the garden, right. It, it, he hasn't really changed much of what he did. He promises this, he promises that, and he's lying. And I, I was thinking about Genesis six and like one of the ways that when people I talk to and they can't, uh, grasp it fully or like an easy way I say is like, oh yeah, it was a genetic, um, it was genetic warfare by, by the devil because he wanted to corrupt at the, like at the DNA level by introducing, uh, this new, you know, uh, Chimera. Yeah. The new Chimera, he was trying to, you know, create these things that I think the, I don't want to say this and like the pure, the pure human bloodline that Jesus was going to come out of. He was trying to corrupt that from, you know, Eve all the way down through it. So that's, I think sort of why the Genesis six stuff happened. So I think it's kind of interesting now that if he uses the same thing again, like this DNA corruption, um, it kind of puts it on track again, you know, like he still hasn't changed his stuff or his, his method. avenues of attack. Yeah. I don't know. It was just that it was just like a thing that popped in my head, and I was like, "Oh, that sounds pretty similar to what he tried to do before." Yeah, there are there are a couple thoughts on that that people have.
2: One is that in Genesis six, when it talks about Nephilim, and it's uh, it's referred to, it's called the giants. It's actually uh, the vigilance, the the terror, tyrannical ones. It's uh, it was tyrants of those that have been hybrid from fallen angels somehow genetically imposed onto the daughters of of men which would be women and we we assume that this means that there were actual physical giants and whether wh- whether you're in that school or not i don't think it's the children of seth that it was talking about like some things some people right. say uh, sethites or whatever but uh i do believe it's a hybrid creature and i do believe that they had technology that they were tampering with dna mm-hmm. as you said um, some are under the school that like Tim Alberino and Steve Quayle that they're a proof of, of giant bones and it's, it's in remote areas that they have tried to get into and they, it's well guarded, but they believe that in some place in it, it, uh, in uh, the Atlantic, there's a, there's a group of these things that are in the ground and they're going to uh, raise up and be giants again. And mm. I don't, ha- I don't contrive to that school. So, um, I I think the Nephilim is more of the, the hybrids still the hybrid connection, but not that they're giants. It's that they're sort of like a seed of Satan. They're sort of the seed of, of the genetic tampering and, you know, Mm -hmm. whether revelation talks about the lions of the, the, the creatures with lion's teeth and long hair as hybrid creatures or whether, it's referring to the age of hum- humanity where we will become the nephilim. Uh, I'm unclear on that, but I can say this that this genetic modification with the technology of AI and the internet of things mm-hmm. and all these 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 you know these scientific technologies that that sort of are are half biological and half technical. It makes a, a transhumanism mm-hmm. out of the human species, which sort of is a chimera in some ways and, and is a fusion between two species, which actually is altering DNA and is becoming a sort of Nephilim identity in some ways of, of the same thing. So I think that that could come about in that way if that's uh if um, that makes
0: sense. You know, I mm-hmm. saw a recent publication, medical publication that actually called the coronavirus a chimera because <laughs> they were um they were what they were doing is they were saying that the bat the, the bat virus the virus that the bat was carrying could not infect a human being because it doesn't have the human receptors um inherent to it. So they think that it was modified in a lab. And they borrowed from the AIDS virus the same uh, protein that would uh, would allow that that virus to attach to human DNA and, and from a viral standpoint and infect it. And so they called it a chimera because it was basically a bat virus that had been modified with a protein from the AIDS virus, and then it made it an infection that would that would uh, you know work with humans. So they literally called it a chimera, in the chimera virus in the, uh, in the interview that I was, uh, reading this uh, article.
2: So that's very interesting. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, and, and you know, it does relate and, uh, it's, uh, the, you're, you're right. I've, i I, uh, from studying virology, um, I'm not a studier of virology, but from researching virology from a layman's <laughs> point of view yeah. and, uh, and, and relying on some of the the documents that I've come across, uh, because I was intensely immense, uh, it, it, you know, com- uh, consumed by this, <laughs> uh, I, I found that, yeah, to jump from species to species is is not normal for, for it's not the ability. It, it doesn't have anything to adhere to mm-hmm. unless the tissue is infected and the and tissue is injected, which is what they do with vaccines, by right. the way. Right. And, and with the, when they when they give you a flu vaccine, they're giving you the flu, an inactive flu, but they're how could it be inactive? I thought I thought they deny that it's an it, it's a non-living particle. They say it's living. Well, no, it's inactive. It's a non-living element. But what happens is when you push the the, the infected tissue, it infects the body that it's hosted by and it, it affects the DNA, and that's how a flu comes about. Mm-hmm. So this this species here that we're talking about, has to have some kind of something igniting it to, to make it contagion, if it is contagion at all. So I agree with you. And if we look at the research that Fauci's organization was involved in, the National Institute of in- Allergy and Infectious Disease, we find that they were involved in what was called the gain of functions research, which was under Obama, or it was actually under Reagan, and it went through a couple different presidencies his his company was involved in experimentation of viruses on how to enhance the virus to to transmit through these gaps that you're talking about mm. to be more infectious huh. not necessarily stronger but have more intensity in in, in its pathogenic ability and they we're doing this in North Carolina, from what I understand, and then they brought the viruses to Wuhan, <laughs> to labs in China. And Obama wanted it stopped or paused. Fauci went ahead with it. It was hmm. biological weaponry. Yeah. Now we were working on it with China. Which, which is supposed to be uh,
0: like there's some kind of uh, law right now that there is no development of bio, bioweaponry. Uh, Like worldwide. It's supposed to be like a mandate that was handed out to all nations that we weren't going to develop biological warfare.
2: Yeah, laws. What are laws? (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) What's the Rothschild say? They're saying was, uh, I care not about the laws of a nation. Give me the wealth of a nation and I'll make the laws. We're subject to their laws. They 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 create these laws for our perception to think that they're accountable. And what they do is, in one hand, they make the laws and legislate them. On the other hand, they violate them Mm -hmm. because they're not susceptible. I don't know if you know about the theory about Washington, D.C., and I'm going to be talking with my guest about this. There are two constitutions and our original constitution was abolished or surrendered to the new constitution when Washington, D.C., became its own state, its own district. And the, the constitution that we have previously is understood, but it's not really law abiding anymore since America became the United States of America incorporated. And they, the, the, the ones that govern and make the laws are not subject to it. Hmm. So they don't care really about the laws and universally. Yeah. You have all the PACs that they make and the United Nations and all this, but the United Nations is a Luciferian organization. They're not abiding by the laws either. Right. So right. it's basically they're allowed to, you know, if they're in the elite circles, they know that they're not subject to the laws. So what do they care? But what they do is they make the underlings subject to it. So like if you're, if you're a researcher caught doing this research, you're going to go, you're going to go to jail because you violated the law. But then they'll just draft a whole new set of crew to do it, mm-hmm. because they're above the law, yeah, wow <laughs> I'm gonna have to listen to
0: that podcast episode that you're having later on about the Constitution. That sounds really intriguing.
2: well, it's not just about the Constitution, but I'm gonna uh, he made a comment of it. I just want to draw that point out of it,
0: okay, <clears> yeah
2: so so um, what we
0: see here is. So I'm just going to kind of recap because we've been going on for an hour, believe it or not. But uh, we, when we started off, we were talking about the in, in the entertainment industry, and and really the system uses the B system uses that as predictive programming as a way to to prepare people's minds and and attitudes towards whatever the system is moving towards by movies and music and entertainment in such a way that it's actually establishing a reality. Doesn't exist yet, but someday will and could, and so they use that as sort of a, a tool to prepare, and and then they start to roll out their their elitist system, the the Babylonian system, uh, through financing through the bank, you know, controlling the money, and then also uh, controlling the laws, and then also now we see the the claws of Satan reaching all the way into the medical as well, and so it's this whole system that we live in, and here's my great encouragement, so this is my great encouragement, is that we were told that this is not our home, that we are pilgrims, we're passing through, and that uh, this is not where we're destined for. In fact, I love what Jesus says in John 14, where he says, hey, where I'm going, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I'm going to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and get you. <laughs> so for me, it's like the great hope. My, my son, who's a teenager, and I, we had a great conversation just about the second coming, the rapture, all that kind of stuff. And uh, and based, it was really based on his observations of the world today. He's like, what's the answer? And what do we like, where's our hope? You know? And I said, well, our hope isn't here anyways. I said, this place is, is not what we're destined for. So that's my encouragement. Like it can be pretty bleak when you just look at all of this stuff. You start thinking about some chimeric, you know, DNA created by some scientist in a lab that they're going to inject people with to control them with some AI, you know, internet of things that, uh, are going to ultimately just set up a slave system that they can rule over people, knowing that we've been forgiven, knowing that our, we've been sealed as Ephesians. The book of Ephesians tells us we've been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit and that we are his now. We're marked by him for him and we belong to him, which means we'll be with him where he is. That gives me great hope. So I just wanted to I just felt like I wanted to encourage anybody listening that might be getting overwhelmed with some of this information because it's pretty terrifying to think about, you know. <laughs> it really is. I know I'm laughing when I say it, but I I, I kind of don't have any other response to it. I mean, you have to kind of be like shake your head and go, "Wow."
2: You know, we grieve, but we don't grieve as those in the world do because we <laughs> have hope. Um, Our hope is in Christ. Can I read something that I wrote six hours ago? Please. Uh, I wrote wrote it on the internet, on Facebook, on my my personal Facebook page, which is actually available. I think it's like JimDuke.98 or something like that. But I think I have a link to it on my website. And you're welcome. People are welcome to uh, hit me up there. But I wrote this. I wrote, titled it The Saints, because sometimes I title them just so I can identify uh, that it was actually an article or so. Written, the saints are risen above the elite. And I put often we tell the plan we tell of the plans and agenda of the elite who have a hold on this world. We warn of their plans as they affect us physically and emotionally and cause us tension, which is tribulation. So to be aware of their evil intent makes us alert to their devices, to the devices of the enemy. However, while those in the world are susceptible to the woes of Satan, those who are gods through Jesus Christ have a different perspective. We are in the world, but are not of the world. We are not conformed to this realm. Only sojourning through it, we, are, we reach our destination in the heavenly places to reap our reward. The world leaders and the elite try to ground the Christian and make him unaware of his authority. I don't mean that we have power to command those wicked workers of iniquity. I don't believe in word of faith that we can command our desires, mm-hmm. but we certainly have the power to sustain their tyrannical behavior. We have the power of the demonic spirits in our path. We're not of this world either, at least in spirit. We are of another dwelling. John 18, Jesus said, we are not going to replenish this world. Or it says he, he was not plen- replenishing this world because his kingdom is not of this world. It, trans- it transcends this place. Jesus came as a king of the heavenly world. Those who would be his are, those would, I, I'm trying to read it from my small print here. Those <laughs> who would be his are servants of that kingdom. In that sense, Jesus rules the throne of the nations in the spirit. We are considered ambassadors of that kingdom. That's why it's almost as if Jesus is reigning on earth now in the spirit. And uh, it says in Ephesians two, six 2, six, he has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The elite may rule this world through the God of this world, but we believers represent the heavenly kingdom where Christ rules and reigns over the nations. We have the keys to heaven and can open up the door to let others in by evangelism of the gospel, Mm. as long as they receive it and believe unto Jesus. The elite think they can dictate as much as they prefer here on earth and torment citizens as they choose. But in the end, their judgment comes, they will be cast out, and they will also perish. We will remain with Christ for eternity in his kingdom of the new Jerusalem. Awesome. Dude, I don't know
0: a better way to end the the podcast (laughs) than that. That is truth and promise, man. I love that. That's awesome. That's our hope, that <clears> we we have an eternal home, and this is not our destiny. Don't get comfortable here. There's no reason to be. It's not where you're going to end up, right?
1: Absolutely.
2: <laughs> For those that are believers, yep.
0: Yeah. Well, Jim, this has been an incredible conversation, and... I I know you have a lot going on today. You've got other stuff that you have to do, um, so your time for with us has been really. I, I'm just so thankful for it, and I appreciate you uh, being willing to join us. Um, is there anything that you want to add
2: to the end here as we close up? Or no, I think that's pretty much you know for a, a primer. Um, you know, cause there's so many rabbit trails you can get into. I mean, mm-hmm. you talked about the entertainment. I could have just as much went into the CFR and that Avenue, but uh, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's a matter of where you're going to go with it, you know, cause there's so many, it's a web, it's a web of information that permeates through every society. So that's why my, my wife will say, you know, what do you, you could find a conspiracy in everything, can't you? Said, <laughs> yeah. Because it's all linked to the same route. You know, that's so, right. Yeah yeah, you can. You could go any place with it, so it's just a matter of where you want it to go, you know that's right.
0: yeah. awesome. Well, Jim, I really appreciate your time with us and yes. I want to encourage Thank you very much. Yeah, I just want to encourage our listeners again, you can you can find him on Twitter. It's at Duke Perspective and you can also find him at JimDukePerspective.com dot com and you can also find uh, find him on iTunes uh, podcast and Spotify at Jim Duke Perspective. i encourage you guys to check him out, listen to him, uh, show him some love. Uh, he has a he has a patreon as well so um, you know you can go in there and you can help support uh, his work uh, by by joining the patreon and um, and sharing uh, what he's doing with your friends and family as well and so Jim man we just we thank you so much man and I just want to tell you right now there's always an open door here if you want to come back we would totally uh, enjoy that and love that
2: yeah, just let me know anytime you uh, you, you see something that you uh, want me to emphasize or something. Just uh, give me the invite, and we'll, we'll try to make it happen. Awesome. I really appreciate you guys, and thanks uh, for having me and uh, for
1: your encouragement as well. Awesome, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll Thank leave. you so much again, man.
0: Great. Well, that was a great episode, guys. We will catch you next time on All Out War. Thanks for listening to the All Out War podcast today. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and we'll catch you next time.